0: This morning, I want you to go with me for a few moments to a little hill country between the Sea of Galilee and Mount Carmel, a place called Shunem. I want to introduce you to a couple people, the, a couple of the main characters in the story. Now, this is an unusual sermon this morning because I don't have any points. I got some points, but I'm not going to point them out as points. Uh, so it's a little unusual. I always tell Adam when he preaches, make sure you point out your points. Well, I'll point out my points, but I'm not going to number them this morning, and so you have, you'll have no idea how many I got and when I'm going to get done. So just hang on this morning. But I want to enter, there's three main characters in the story I want to tell you, the story of the Song of Solomon. As Adam said, we don't spend a lot of time in this book from a preaching standpoint, but there's a wonderful story that's encompassed in the, in the book that we know as the Song of Solomon. And I want to introduce you, first of all, to a couple of the characters. First of all, there's a little Shunammite girl. I call her a little girl, but actually she's a young lady. A very pretty young lady, a very beautiful young lady. By the way, she was just as pure on the inside as she was on the outside. And I know there's people today that say, you know, young people can't stay pure in this world in which we live. I want to tell you, just and again, this is not part of my sermon, but they're lying to you. That's a lie straight from hell. Young ladies and young men can stay pure in this world if they decide to and if they ask God and the Holy Spirit to help them. I I know it's harder. I know there's a lot more things that come across the airways. There's a lot more influences that are trying to draw them into evil today than when I was growing up. Um, back long time ago. But there, there, there's a lot more uh, influences to try to draw them from evil. But I want to say to all the young people that are here today, you still can be pure. You still can go to the marriage altar as virgins. You can look each other in the eye and say, I have saved myself for you. And by the way, I think that's how... Young people ought to come to the altar having saved themselves for each other. This young lady that I'm talking about this morning was like that. She was very beautiful on the outside. She was very beautiful on the inside. Now her fiancé, her boyfriend, however you want to say it, was a shepherd. And he was the same way. He was a handsome young man on the outside. He was pure and clean on the inside. And these two loved each other. They were so much in love. They were looking forward to the day that they would become husband and wife. In fact, we read some verses from chapter 2 where the young lady talks about the love that the young man had for her. Uh, she, uh, She said, I went to a banquet one time. And I was sitting at my table. And I noticed people looking at me they were giving me weird looks, and they were looking over my head. And she said, I had to turn around. And when I turned around, I recognized that my, my fiancé, my boyfriend, who, by the way, was a shepherd. His job was to take care of sheep. He was a shepherd in the hill country of where they lived. And she says, I noticed that my fiancé had put a banner over my seat. And it was a banner that said... I love you. You see, if she was testifying this morning, she would say, I have a boyfriend, I have a fiancé, I have somebody that I love that loves me. And he's not ashamed to tell everybody that he's in love with me. This morning, I want to tell you about another shepherd. About a shepherd who loves you just like that shepherd loved his His fiancée. This shepherd put a banner over us. Everywhere we go. And that banner says, I love you. Of course, that shepherd I'm talking about is the great shepherd. The good shepherd. The one we know as the Lord Jesus Christ. And every day in our life, in many, many different ways, the shepherd spreads over our life. Signs and posters and banners that says, I love you. If you ever doubt that, just go back and read the first four books of the New Testament. Go back and read about his birth at Bethlehem. Go back and read about his life that he lived, tempted in all points like as we, yet without sin. Go back and read about the Garden of Gethsemane, where he went and sweat great drops of blood as he prayed as he approached the cross. Go back and stand at the foot of Calvary and and, and look at that old rugged cross and the shepherd that hung on that old rugged cross paying for sin. Not that any sin that he committed. He was perfect in every way. But the sin that you and I committed. The sin that you and I are responsible for. The sin that will take you and I to hell unless we come to that cross and accept the payment that the shepherd made on that cross. Go back and look at the tomb. Not when he was in it, but after he left the empty tomb that showed that he had power over death, over the grave, that it could no longer hold him. Go back and consider the life of that shepherd as he left heaven and gave up the crown of heaven for the crown of thorns. Go back and look at him as he sacrificed the royal robes of heaven for the borrowed overcoat and the borrowed robe that he wore. Go back and look as he gave up power in heaven to come and live among men as a servant. The riches of heaven to live among men in poverty. The the praise of heaven from the angels to live among men that jeered at him and ridiculed him and made fun of him. Go back and look as he traded the throne at the right hand of the Father for the cross and went to the cross. And in all those things he says to us. I love you. I love you. One of the greatest verses in the Bible is a verse that most of the little kids around here can quote. I hope you never get tired of hearing it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He loves you, he loves me. The book of Romans, chapter 5, verse 8, the Bible says, But God commendeth or proved his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loves you this morning. If there's one thing that you have to take away from the Bible, it runs from the book of Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation, is that God loves you. I always think about that song, the chorus of the song that we sing sometimes. The chorus goes like this. Could we with ink the ocean fill? And were the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill? And every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the oceans dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole. Though stretched from sky to sky. We have a shepherd. He loves us. He spreads over us every day that we live a banner and signs and posters. I love you. I love you. Let me tell you some more about the story that's in the Song of Solomon. One time, this young lady's fiance had to go on a trip. They were soon to be married, but he had to go somewhere to take care of some things, and He was gone. While he was gone, of course, she missed him. She thought about him every moment of the day. And while she was gone, something unusual happened. The king paid a visit to her part of the country. King Solomon. We know about him from the Bible. The Bible says that he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. And I'll just tell you, without being prejudiced in any way, that's way too many women. One's enough. (laughs) One's enough. By the way, that's how God intended it. One man, one woman. Together for life. But the king comes. He sees this beautiful young lady falls in love with her. Supposedly. Comes up to her. Proposes. Says, I'd like you to become my wife. Now again, he already had 700 plus 300 concubines. But she, he saw how beautiful she was and said, "I'd like you to ha- I'd, like to, I'd like to have you for my wife. I would like you to be my queen. Now, again, in this story, even though Solomon, the early part of his kingdom was a good king, he, he fell away from God toward the end of his life. But in this particular story, as recorded in the word of God, Solomon represented the devil. He represents the world. That we might say. And he comes to this young maiden who was betrothed to this young shepherd. Again, they were so much in love. Looking forward to the day they would be married. And the king comes to her and says, I'd like you to be my wife. And I will shower you with all sorts of gifts. And this young lady, without thinking for a moment, looks back at the king and says, no, thank you, your highness. I'm already engaged. I already have the love of my life, and that's the little shepherd boy. And Solomon says, well, just a minute, you don't understand. Don't you notice the royal seal that's on my chariots? I am the king of this land. Uh, if you marry me, you will be the, the queen. And she says, well, I, I don't want to be the queen. I just want my shepherd boy. And King Solomon says, well, yeah, but you, you don't understand. If you marry me, I will be able to buy you all sorts of clothes. You'll have the best wardrobe that any woman in the kingdom has. And she looks back at the king and says, I don't, I don't really want a lot of clothes. I don't need a nice wardrobe. All I want is my shepherd boy. Solomon says, well, you don't understand. If you marry me, we'll live in the palace. I mean, the little house and hut that you live in would be like a closet in the palace. And you'll have a wonderful, wonderful house. She said, I don't want a wonderful, wonderful house. All I want is my little shepherd boy. Well, you don't understand. If, if you marry me, you'll have all the wealth in the land. Every bit of wealth will be yours. You'll just have tons and tons of money. And I'll, I'll be able to give you anything your heart's desire. She says, you don't understand, king. I don't want the wealth that you can offer me. I don't want the things that you can buy me. All I want is my little shepherd boy. He says, well, you don't understand. You'll be the queen. You'll sit with me in power and rule the land. And she says, doesn't matter. I don't want that. All I want is my little shepherd boy. You know, the world comes to you today and makes all sorts of promises. They know what our shepherd offers to us. They know the love that he has for us. But the world comes to us and say, hey, I can make you a better deal. I can offer you something far, far better than the shepherd offers you. I can make sure that you have wealth, I can make sure that you can purchase anything that you want, that you can enjoy all the good things of the earth. I can make sure that you have popularity and that people know you. And I can make sure that that your fame is known around the world. And you can have power, the power of this world. And uh, Satan comes and the world comes. And he offers some pretty enticing things to people to say, just stay away from the shepherd. Just stay away from him and what he offers. And what this old world needs today is for the truth to go out. That the things of the world, the promises of the world are empty promises. You can have all the money of the world, and all the money in the world will not buy you the peace that passeth understanding that comes from knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior and being right with him. You can have all the popularity in the world, and that popularity will not add one second to your eternity. You see, one day this world's going to pass away. And all the things of this world, all the material things, and all the things that are not material that make up this world, one day they're going to pass away. One day they they will cease to exist. And one day we will go out into eternity. We will go out and live forever, either in heaven or hell. And I want to tell you something. The things of the world don't get you into heaven. The things of the world don't make you right with God. The things of the world, no matter how many you have of them, Don't pay for your sin. But the shepherd does. The shepherd does. When he went to Calvary, the Bible says that God put on him every one of my sin and every one of your sin. He was the perfect son of God. He was sinless. He did not disappoint God in any way. And yet when he hung on the cross, God the Father took every one of our sins. Every single one of them. Not one was left off. Not one, not one was not. My sin, not in part, but in whole, was nailed to the cross as Jesus Christ was nailed to the cross. And He paid for every one of my sins and every one of your sins. And so. He offers, as you compare the things of the world to the things of Christ, if you just do it from a temporal standpoint, if you just do it by looking at the next few days, you might say, boy, this year looks a lot more enticing than what Jesus has to offer. But don't look at it that way. If you live to be 100 or 120, you're going to be unusual. What happens after your years on this earth are done? What happens when you leave this earth? Where, where, where's your soul headed? You see, there's only one of two places, heaven or hell. You can enjoy the things of the earth, but I'll tell you what, the things of the earth won't get you into heaven. But the shepherd will. And what we need today, what you need to do today, is to be like this young lady in this story. You need to say to the world, and you need to stay to Satan. I don't want the wealth of the world. All I want is my shepherd. I don't want the popularity of the world. All I want is my shepherd. I don't want the power of the world. All I want is my shepherd. Brother Gary sings a song that I like. A song that says, I'd rather have Jesus. And I can't remember the words, but no, it says the same thing. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world has in store. And so this young lady had refused the advances of the king. I know I'm out of time, but I got to finish this. So word comes back to Solomon's 700 wives and his 300 concubines that this young lady had refused the advances of the king. The story goes on. They said, they come to her and they said, You refuse the king? You refused everything that he had to offer? Tell us about your shepherd. Why? Why would you refuse the king for the shepherd? And again, you don't need to turn to it, but in the Song of Solomon, chapter 5, she responds to their request. In verse 10, she says, My beloved is white and ruddy, the chiefest among ten thousand. His head is as the most fine gold. His locks are bushy and black as a raven. His eyes are as the eyes of doves by the rivers of water, washed with milk and fitly set. His cheeks are as a bed of spices, as sweet flowers, his lips like lilies dropping sweet smelling myrrh. His hands are, are as gold, ring set with a barrel. His belly is as a bright ivory overlaid with sapphires. His legs are as pillows of marble set upon sockets of fine gold. His countenance is as Lebanon, excellent as the cedars. His mouth is most sweet. Yea, he is altogether lovely. This is my beloved, and this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. When we tell the world, don't want what you have to offer, I just want my shepherd, people are going to notice. And they're going to come and they're going to say, Would you tell us about your shepherd? Would you tell us why you've rejected all the things of the world and why you've come to him? And we ought to be ready to do the same thing. Let me tell you about my shepherd. He is all together lovely. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. We sing that little chorus sometimes. Let's talk about Jesus. The king of kings is he. The Lord of the Lord supreme throughout eternity. The great I am. The way. The truth. The life. The door. Let's talk about Jesus more and more. That's what we need to be doing. We need to be talking about him. Because there's people all around us that don't understand why we're living for him and not living for the world. There's people all around us that want to ask the same question that the harem asked that day to this young lady. You refused? Tell us why. Tell us about your shepherd. And when we tell them, they can know the love that our shepherd has for us, that it's for them as well. You're here this morning. You've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior. Let me tell you about my shepherd. He loves you. He paid for your sins. He has prepared, he will prepare a place for you in heaven if you'll receive him. Would you do that this morning? You may be here and say, Preacher, I don't believe that stuff. I was talking, David and I were talking on Wednesday night. Just a brief conversation. I, I made the statement earlier that I've talked to people, said, I don't believe in God. I don't believe what you guys believe. I don't believe that book. I always ask people that tell me that, said, Well, what if there's a 1% chance that I'm right? Now, I, I know I'm 100% right, but they don't believe it. I said, what if there's just a 1% chance that I'm right, that there is a God, that he's going to hold us accountable for our sins, that there is a heaven and there's a hell, and we're going to spend eternity in one of those two places? What if there's just a 1% chance that what I believe is right? It means you're going to spend eternity in hell means you're going to spend eternity apart from God. Nobody would choose that in their right mind. Only a fool says there is no God. Only a fool would choose hell over heaven. I may not have convinced you 100% this morning, but would you let me convince you 1%? Would you trust me enough to try Jesus? Hey, if I'm wrong, it won't cost you a thing. I'm not asking you to pay something. I'm asking you by the little faith that God has dealt to every person to listen to this book, to understand you're a sinner. There's a penalty for that sin. Jesus paid it, and he offers you eternal life and eternity in heaven. What do you got to lose? Except for hell. Except for an eternity apart from God. What do you got to lose? Try Jesus this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the wonderful, wonderful little story that's tucked away in this book we know as the Song of Solomon. Help us to see our shepherd this morning, the great shepherd, the good shepherd. The shepherd who loves his sheep, knows them all by name, wants every one of us to be part of his fold, has paid the price so that we could. And Father, if there's one person here that's never received that gift that God purchased for them on Calvary, I pray this morning that they, with simple childlike faith, would try Christ. And see if he doesn't keep his promise. See if he doesn't do exactly what he said he will do. I pray for the many Christians that are here this morning. Help us to rejoice again what we have in our Savior. What we have because of him. The hope that we have for heaven. The power that we have to live in this world because we have the Holy Spirit. Help us to rejoice in that this morning. Father, I ask you to bless this time of invitation. Speak to people's hearts. Help, us, help them to be obedient to what you call them to do. I ask all this in Christ's name. Amen.